Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. We're going to continue our series called Pursuing God. And um, this is, I think, our fourth or our fifth message in this series called Pursuing God. And um, I want you to know this, that today is going to be a very simple message. Somebody say thank you. But I can also say that while there's not a great deal of depth to this message, um, which you know, sometimes some, it's funny in the church culture, if you're around church for a long period of time, if somebody comes away from a message and they're like, oh, that was so deep, what they mean is they were confused by the message. I mean, it was so deep that <laughs> I'm just joking. That's not necessarily what that means. But, um, but this is a simple message, but it's got a profound impact and it's got a huge meaning. And so, I want you to get ready. Um, God, I want to start off just by saying that God has been very good to Grace Church. How many of you would agree with that? He has been good to us. He continues to bless us. Um, Some amazing things have come out of the desire of this church to make a difference in this community. And I tell you what, I'm privileged to pastor this church. I uh, we've got a lot of great churches in our community and in our whole area, but I'm grateful that I get to pastor this church, and, um, and it's because we've got really awesome people. And so God's been good to us, but in Luke chapter 12 and verse 48, His goodness doesn't come with, with a no-strings-attached mentality. His goodness comes with the responsibility of those that receive his goodness, they have some things that they need to do. I don't know if you knew this, but Luke 12, 48 says this, to much who has been given, much is required. So listen, if you've been given a great deal, then you're required to, you know, to be good stewards of what it is that God has given you. And so there's a responsibility that we have uh, that, you know, for what we have been given. Today, I want you to turn your Bible to the book of Mark, chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 40, and we're only going to look at a couple different verses here. Mark, chapter 1, and verse 40. And uh, while this is just a few verses, my prayer is, is that it will be significant for you today. Mark, chapter 1, and verse 40, if you'll follow along, it says this, that there was a man with leprosy, that came to Jesus and begged him on his knees. Now, I want to pause just right there. Jesus is in a place. It doesn't really identify in this passage of Scripture where he's at. But there's a man that has leprosy that came to Jesus and, 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 and begged him. And I think it's interesting that this man was not identified. He wasn't given a name. He wasn't identified by what his name was. It didn't say that Joe... One day, you know, who had leprosy came to Jesus and begged him. It didn't say Frank came, or it didn't say it didn't say the banker, the local banker came, or the local leather worker, mechanic, or the doctor, right? It didn't say any of that. It just listen, this man came to Jesus, and this man had leprosy. And so he was identified by 
his problem, and he was not identified by who he was. When I read this, it makes me think and wonder and ask the question, I wonder how many people in Grace Church are identified by their problem and not identified by who they are. You know, maybe you're here today and you've been divorced once, or maybe you've been divorced four times. And because we live in a small town, how many of you love some good small town living? I love living in a small town, but there's some, you know, there's multiple pros to living in a small town, but there are some cons that you can't get away with nothing in this town with not, without everybody knowing about it. Like, like people know your business that shouldn't know your business. They should not ever know your business, right? Anybody say amen to that? Like, and so, listen, if you've been divorced, and then you've been divorced again, and you've been divorced again, now you're taking on an identity, maybe because of chatter, or maybe you put it on yourself, that, that you're known by your problem, not by your person. Maybe when you were a kid, you know, you got caught stealing something, but nobody knew your circumstances. They didn't know that you were in a desperate situation, but you, you got caught taking something that didn't, didn't belong to you. And now you're 52 years old, and this happened when you were 16, but you're still known and identified as a thief. You know, maybe you're in here today, and you've got an addiction. You know, you don't want to do what, you're, what you find yourself doing. You wish that you could do something different, but you're addicted. That's the definition of an addiction. It's like, I don't want to drink, but I find myself drinking. I don't want to smoke weed, but I find myself smoking weed. I don't want to, you know, I, fill in the blank. But you find, yourself, you find yourself doing it. You're an addict, and when people talk about you, especially when you're not around, because that's how it usually happens. It's like, you know, they're all friendly to your face. What's up, Joey? And then you leave, and you're like, yeah, that guy's an addict. Did you know that? You know, he's got a real serious, serious problem. And so you're known by your problem and not your person. And I just want you to know that, that the truth is, like that's a lie. The truth is, is you're not what you've done. You are who God has made you to be. I think that is so funny. Most people think that, or, you know what, they know that I'm preaching right now. But I've got a phone call coming in. I really feel like answering it. And just, and just saying, hey, you know, how's it going? You know, I'm in the middle of something pretty important right now, but... Anyway, no, 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 that would be terrible. What if it was you? <laughs> okay, I will. Hello, this is Travis. Hello. Oh, okay. Hey, have a great day. God bless you. All right. <laughs> Wrong number. Uh. We just blessed somebody, just like, that was awesome. I can't tell you how often, that's the worst thing about these things is, is I'll be preaching and my, my, I got it on silent, but my whole arm is vibrating and it could, I'm like, and sometimes they're persistent, like you ignore like the whole thing and then they'll call right back and it's like, all right. Um, so I want you to know once again that you're not what you've done. You are who God says that you are. And I think Rick was kind of hitting on that. I love that um, this morning. And uh, I think it's interesting. I'm going to read this again real quick. And I want to draw some new things out to you 
Mark 1.40, it says, A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees. Now, now this by itself is completely out of the ordinary because lepers were not to come within 50 paces of somebody that was, that was whole and healthy. Like, it was not permitted. And if they were getting close to that 50 pace mark, like, like 50 paces, I don't know what that is, maybe 100 feet away, 100 and, 120 feet away, I don't know what that is, but, but whenever they got within that distance, they had to say something. Who can tell me what they had to say? Unclean. They had to say it in a manner that you could hear a hundred feet away. They had to start saying, like if I had leprosy and I was walking towards you, I'd be like, unclean, unclean. And so this would give you the opportunity to do one of two things. Either keep coming towards me, which means I have to get out of your way, or it would cause me to you know, divert and go a different direction so that we didn't come within 50 paces. But this man that had leprosy came right up to Jesus begging him, and, uh, and, 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 and this is what he said. He said, this man ran to Jesus, he begged him, and he said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Do you know this, that, that even by coming within that 50 pace range, the law said that that man could have been stoned to death. So he was literally taking his life in his own hands by, by coming uh, in, in such close proximity with, with Jesus. And, uh, and so in this passage, it says, if you are willing, this man with leprosy says, if you're willing, you know what? You can make me clean. And, and I often think about this. He, he was basically saying, I know you can. I know you can make me clean. Because how many of you think that this man heard of all the stories of Jesus, you know, giving sight to the blind? You know, Jesus putting his fingers in somebody's ear that, that, that they were deaf and, and now all of a sudden they heard again. You know, this man had probably heard stories of Jesus raising the dead. And so, so he comes to Jesus. He says, listen, I know you can. I know you can heal me. I know you can change my con- condition. But what I do not know is I don't know if you're willing. I don't know if you will do this for me. I know you can, but I don't know if you will. And I think that sometimes people, even in our community, this is where rubber meets the road. Sometimes people in our community, maybe they've got trouble in the home. How many of you know there's a lot of people that deal with marriages? And, and there are even people here today, right now, I'm sure of it. I'm just positive of it that you're, you know what I mean? You've got trouble in your home. I know for a fact that there's people in this community that are on the verge of divorce like, like they're, they've been married for a long period of time and, and they're actually contemplating getting divorced. And then they hear, they hear of Grace Church and they're saying things like this in their head. They're not speaking it, but I know they could probably help me, but will they help me? I know they, they listen, I can't tell you how many times since I've been here, um, I, I've, I, you know, I'll go out to the parking lot or, or usually whenever I'm coming home at night, you know, I'll, 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 instead of just going home, I don't live very far from here, but instead of going home, I will, I'll do a lap around, I'll drive around the parking lot, and, and I'll find a car, you know, just parked, and I'll go up to the, to the car and say, hey, listen, you know, can I help you? Do you need any? Well, no, I just needed to, I just needed to, 
I just needed to go someplace and talk to God and I thought that this would be a good place. Sometimes they're just weeping and, and crying. Sometimes they're totally distraught. But they find themselves at the church in the parking lot. And so sometimes people feel comfortable enough to go to the parking lot but not make it inside, inside the building. I know that they can help me, but will they help me? I know that they could do this, but, but will they do this? In verse 41, it says this, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I want you to know this, Jesus saw his condition and he was bothered so much by his condition that he wanted to do something about it. Seeing this man in this pain with this leprosy and, and his brokenness caused him to, 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 to not just discount it, but to do something by it. And I just want to ask a question to all of us here today. When was the last time that you were bothered by somebody's circumstance to the point that you were like, you know what, I'm going to change this person's life because I can do something about it? This is exactly what Jesus, Jesus did. He answered the question that, that, you know, I know he can do it, but is he willing to do it? And, and when, Jesus, when Jesus reached out, and touched the man, come on, he changed his life and he healed him. The title of my message is this, I will, I will. And you can fill in the blank. You can fill in the blank however you want to fill in the blank. I will do something. I will pray. I will serve. I will meet the need. But the title of today's message is I will. Jesus says this to this man. He says, I am willing, be clean, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Isn't that powerful? At Grace Church, we've done a lot of cool things. I remember whenever I, when I first moved here to, to uh, the area and started uh, pastoring this church, I would go around to different people and anytime I was meeting you know, with somebody, I would introduce, what do guys do? They introduce themselves. Say, hey, my name's Travis and we're new to the area um, but I pastor Grace Church, and a lot of times people would say, like, where's Grace Church? Hey, is that the church by the hospital? I'm like, no, that's not the church by the hospital. Everybody says that. Is that the church by the hospital? No, it's not the church by the hospital. Um, but I would explain, you know, who we are and where we are, and now I meet people for the first time, and it's crazy how most people know where Grace Church is and, and, and what it is that you know, we're about. You know why? Because we're making a difference in the community. And this isn't about, this isn't about, you know, bragging, but we do a lot because this is our community. We're supposed to, we're supposed to serve and we're supposed to make a difference. There are many people that have gotten married here. There's many people that, that we've done their celebration of life services here. We have a backpack ministry and, and we just do a, a lot of, a lot of cool things. But this is what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you that there's much more that we can do because if you did not know this, I want you to know this, there are people in our church, or not in our church, but in our community that have kids that don't get enough food. In fact, I had a, I had a teacher that had come to me just this, last, just this last year, last school year, and uh, he teaches in 
in Hayburn School. And he came to me, he said, Travis, I've got, I've got kids that come to school. They don't have lunch money, they don't bring a lunch, and, and we're expecting them to eat. But yet, I mean, how well can, we're expecting them to learn, but they're, they're hungry. And how well can you learn um, if, you've got, if you've got an empty stomach? And so I went with him, David Repke's his name, and, and we went down to Walmart. We negotiated a great pli- uh, price through Walmart and we took $400, and we just bought as much food as we could with $400 and just stored it in his room so that when kids came to school and word got around real quick, if they came to school, they could come by and, and, and get some food from Repke's class. He had kids coming into the classroom that, that he never had, he, that had no classes in that classroom, but they were hungry, and I made a commitment to him that, listen, when this runs out, we'll go to the table with 400 more bucks, and then when this runs out, we'll go to the table. But I'm just telling you, you would think that that would never happen in a community like ours. How could any child go without? But it happens. And so this shows me that there's more that we can do. Come on, we've got a drug epidemic in our community. It's a serious problem. We've got, we've got people that are, that are choosing because they feel like it's the best option you know, they're choosing to end their life. We have problems. And so while we might be doing a lot of great things, come on, there's still a great deal more come on, that we can do, that we're called to do. There's a huge falling away from the church. I don't know if you know this, but, but there's more and more people that are thinking that church isn't important. And I'm telling you that church is the lifeblood to the kingdom. Come on, the church is God's idea. And so when we, when we talk about I will, it's every single one of us saying, I will do my part. I will meet the need. I will pay the bill. I will pray for this person. I will serve. I will encourage. And listen, this isn't collectively just a a church responsibility. This is an individual responsibility. Amen? Come on, every single one of us have to say, I will. And so this is the challenge for today. I I want you to write this. I want you to write this down. The challenge is this, to never walk away from a chance to help your neighbor. Never walk away from a chance to help your neighbor. Don't ever pass up on the ability, come on, to to do something, to meet a need, and replace it with with uh, with a promise. Let me give you an example of what it is that I'm talking about. Have you, ever, have you ever had somebody ask you, hey, listen, I'm fixing to move this next Saturday. And then what you do, and you know already that you've got next Saturday off, like nothing is on the calendar. But what you do to give that person a glimpse of hope and to give you an out of the conversation is you say, hey, man, that's awesome, would love to help you. But let me look at my calendar to make sure that I've got it available. And so this is what I mean. This is when we pass on an opportunity to help, to help our neighbor. And so what happens is, as you go home, you don't look at your calendar because you already have made up your mind and your decision that, that you know what, I don't have time 
I don't have time for that. And I'm just saying that there are times that you won't have time for that, but let's not let that be our default answer that, listen, I got people need to help me. I don't need to help anybody else. There used to be a, a day and a time where we helped one another a lot better than what it is that we, that we do today. Would somebody say amen to that? So don't pass on something and replace it with a promise. And this is biblical. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27. I want you to listen to this. It says, never walk away from somebody who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor, maybe some other time, or try me tomorrow when the money is right there in your pocket. Come on, it doesn't get any more clear than that, does it? My hope is, is that just as Jesus was bothered by this man's situation, that we would be bothered enough by people's situations to make a difference in their life. Number one, go ahead and write this down. It's very important. Our choices lead. Somebody say that. Our choices lead. Then our feelings will follow. Our choices lead. Then our feelings will follow. To experience something different, come on, you've got to take a step in that direction of change. It's very different than how most of us live. Most of us live like this. Most of us want our feelings to lead, and then we'll go ahead and choose differently or make the changes that, 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 that need to be made. Let me give you an example. You know, for some of us, you know, you're waiting for God to give you such a, an overwhelming feeling of reading your Bible, and then when he gives you that strong desire to read your Bible, then you'll read your Bible. Like for some of us here, we're waiting for God just to put such a, a passion in our lives for prayer, and then we'll pray. Come on, we approach God like, listen, if you will, if you will take away this desire to sin, then I'll stop sinning. Are, are you picking up what I'm putting down? For some of you, and some of you don't come from, you know, with, with the kind of a worship background like we're, like we're really trying to pursue here, like when you come into a place and you see, how many of you were freaked out the first time you saw somebody raise their hands in worship? Let's be honest. Anybody else here just like, I've never been to a church like this before. These people are clapping their hands. That is disruptive. That guy on the front, oh, that's the pastor. He keeps clapping. He, he keeps clapping his hands. And sometimes it's not even on beat. Somebody, did you, somebody shouted in the house. Shout! That was so disruptive. And so you come in, you've never been a part of an experience like this, and, and now there's a conflict inside you because, because you're, you're wondering, why are they doing that? And then if you're around it long enough, you desire that you had the overwhelming feelings, the passion for the Lord to where you could clap your hands and raise your hands to the Lord. And you're, maybe even you start, you know, you've been around for like three months or a year, and your prayers start becoming, God, give me the feelings that they have so that maybe one day that I could worship like them. And the only thing I'm asking you is this, do you think it's possible 
that they came in here just like you. They didn't have this overwhelming feeling of just gratitude and thankfulness, but, but when, they, when, they, when they began to think about who God was, that automatically it's like, He deserves my best. And so they begin to clap their hands. They begin to raise their hands to the Lord. They begin to give a shout from the back because of the goodness of God. And then all of a sudden, because they took a step in that direction, now the feelings begin to follow. And I'm telling you that that is the case. I really don't even know what's going on here. My, it, feels, it looks like somebody's trying to... Somebody's controlling my screen. Hey, if you're on a phone right now, it's very possible that you're controlling my screen. Please don't have fun with me. I'm in a very vulnerable situation right now. Um, I kind of like to follow my notes. And so everybody just shut your phones down if you would. That is so funny. I'm like, it's, and it's been doing it the whole service. That is so great. All right. So that is so great. Love technology. I want to give you a passage of scripture here that will illustrate, um, that will illustrate um, what it is that I'm, that I'm sharing with you. This is found in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. Matthew 9 and verse 35 says this. Jesus went through all the towns. So, so I want to underline, in your Bibles, underline this. Underline the word went. Jesus went. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of, of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. So underline the word had. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So there's, there's three things here that we see in this passage of Scripture. Number one, Jesus went. The second thing is he saw. The third thing is he had. Oftentimes, the way that we deal with things is we we want to have, and then we will see, and then we will go. I'm telling you this, that if you don't go, you won't see, and if you don't see, you won't have. Now, this is important. It's important because if you don't go, then you're not going to see anything but me, and you're going to be talking to yourself. So, so if you don't go and see something different, all you're going to see is you, and, and have you ever met somebody that it's all about them? You know what I mean? It's all about me. You're not worried about... Any, let me give you a perfect example of this. Maybe about six years ago, seven years ago, maybe eight years ago, we sent a bunch of our youth to Portland, Oregon. And they went and they served at a Kaleo mission. It was called a Kaleo mission trip. There's a Kaleo mission downtown Portland where, where Portland's got a tremendous homeless problem and a terrible drug problem. And so we sent our junior high and our high school kids um, over there to serve these homeless people. It was life-changing. Most of them had never been outside of, you know, the Minicasha area. And, and so our kids, 
you know, they smelt what urine is like in the, in the streets. Because when you're homeless, that's, you, you, you don't go into a bathroom. You go on the side of the street. They had a chance to pray for people that, that, that had a terrible stench and terrible drug problems and things like this. And they saw that through their prayers, their, you know, that the, there was hope given. They took a coffee cart you know, down in, through the park, and they were giving away free coffee to all the, to all the homeless people and, 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 and were taking opportunity as an advantage of, of, of praying for these people. Every single one of these young people came back and their lives were changed. Their lives were impacted. Why? Because they went, and when they went, they didn't have any idea what they were going to see. But when they went, they saw, and then they served. And guess what? It changed their life as well. So if you don't go, you're never going to see and you're never going to have. And so you have to go. You have to take a step before the feeling is, is available. Amen. Number two is this. Work at seeing people for who they really are. Work at seeing people for who they really are. We have to get beyond surface level. Like if you ever just meet somebody and you know them, um, you know, just on the surface, then you really don't know who that person, you really don't know who that person is. I can tell you this, that if somebody's rude, if somebody's harsh, if somebody's really hard to get along with, the chances are that they've been hurt in their past. You guys have heard this before, that hurting people hurt people, right? I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. There was a there was a gentleman that I've had come and speak at the church here before, and, um, and I was just on the telephone with him this last week, and, and, and I was sharing with him that, that it doesn't look like we're going to be able to, um, you know, have him out this, you know, at this time, and, uh, you know, maybe next year or something like that. Well, as soon as he found out that he wasn't going to be coming, um, he took liberty to, I'll just say it like it is, to, to really attack me and, and, and attack the church. And so when he found out that he wasn't going to be coming, he started saying some personal things about me. I can't believe that somebody wouldn't like me. I just can't believe it. I don't even understand it. But he literally just like unleashed on me and then said some things, you know, about the church as well. And I don't know if you know this, but I've got the ability to dish it back, and that was my, that was my natural, like, that was my first natural, I was like, oh, you know what I mean, but immediately, as soon as those thoughts and feelings came, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me that something has happened in his life that all he needs is a little bit more mercy and a little bit more grace, and he needs some love, and so I simply responded, hey, thank you so much for, for, for feeling like you've got, been given the green light to be honest with me, you know, about some things. Didn't say I was going to change anything or, or, you know, didn't really ask him anymore, but I just thanked him. And he'd also been going through some health situations. It's interesting. He's been going through some health situations that we've always prayed for. You know, he'll send me a message, hey, this has happened, that's happened. I'll pray for him, pray for him. So, so, so anyway, he gives me this, this fire I replace the fire with love, and then I also replace it by saying, listen, hey, how have you been feeling? And just know that I'm going to continue to pray for you. And so this is the cool thing, is I'm sticking around long enough 
to see what God is able to do in that man's life, in that situation. Because you know what the natural response is? Oh man, you come against me, you, you attack me, well I'm going to attack you back and then I'm not going to have anything to do with you from this point forward. And so what the Bible is talking about here is like, listen, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And so, so we don't stick around very long to figure out how it is that God, you know what I mean, can bring this person through. And I know this, that God's going to bring this person, this person through. I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going to share this. I want to share with you just real quick the moral of the story. Most of us have known the story of the, of the, uh, the Good Samaritan, right? I'm going to read this, and I want to extract some things out just real quick. Jesus said, so Jesus is speaking this, and he said, listen, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Then he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. When he put... Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn to care for him. The next day he took out two denarii, which is one denarii is one day's, day's wages. And so, so imagine if you make a hundred bucks a day, that's, that's one denarii. This guy took out two, uh, two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Which of these three, Jesus asked, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And so there's three different people, types of people. You've got the thief that, that looks at you know, what this, this guy has and he says, listen, what's yours is mine. He beats him up, he takes it and leaves him for dead. And I'm just telling you this, that there are takers in the world. There are people that, that, are, that are takers. And please, don't be classified in that, in that category. And then you've got the priest and the Levite, which, which they're walking along, and they see this guy that's been beaten up and left for dead. And what they do is they're like, listen, you know what, I'm not going to be bothered by that. They cross over on the other side of the road and pass him by. You know Why? Because they don't want to take what belongs to them and give it to a stranger that they don't know. And then you've got the Samaritan that loved the person simply and solely because he was another human being. He didn't know that man just like those others didn't know that man. But he had compassion solely because he was a human being. Do you know that there are people today that love their animals more than they love people? Now, and I can understand why, because your dog is loyal, right? Your dog is going to love you no matter what, but people are ruthless and mean. But I want you to know this, that Jesus looks at people as being more valuable than animals. I hope you know that. 
I hope you, I hope you realize that. And so the Samaritan loved the person simply because he was a human being, and he did something because he could. He really did something just because he had the ability to do something. He said, listen, what's mine is yours. And he paid his own wage. Come on, stopped wherever he was going so he could care for these needs. I want, I want to just pause right there just real quick because I feel compelled to do something here right now. Please don't check out on me. I know we've had some technical issues. I've been working through some stuff up here. But I want to talk to you just for a second. Come on, we as the church are called to meet the needs of people. Amen? Yeah. I, uh, I got a phone call um, just recently, several weeks ago, or back on the 18th, actually, there was a terrible car accident um, out in Hazleton. It's a, it's a family that lives in the Treasure Valley. They live in, in, uh, in Boise. But they've got family here in Rupert, and they were actually coming to visit family, and then they were going to be in church with us on, the, uh, on the, that Sunday morning. And, um, and anyway, I've been really close to this car accident. This car was wrecked to the point where it was, I mean, you couldn't even, like, when I saw the car, I was like, there's no way anybody lived through that accident. It was so terrible. I'm going to show you here in just a second. Don't put it up yet, but... Uh, um, so anyhow, it was two young people, and then they've got a four-month-old, um, a four-month-old baby. It's uh, uh, the baby's name is Katniss. That's kind of a cool name, I think. Um, but anyhow, they've been monitoring the baby. Mom and dad were fine. Mom, her name is Heaven. Um, she had a hundred stitches in her in her head, but she was doing really, really well. Um, Sheridan um, doing doing fine as well, but they're monitoring this baby, a four-month-old baby, just because the jarring and the aggressiveness of this accident was was pretty hard. And so I get a phone call this last week saying that they need to do brain surgery, that they need to remove the the uh, the skull cap off of the baby because the brain is starting to swell and there's a fracture that that anyway they they did that. So immediately my wife and I. Um, we went down the, 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 uh, to, to just be with them and just to pray with them and to, and to spend time um, with them. This is little baby Katniss. This is, this is the day of the surgery. Um, you can't see it, but, but they had a part of her skull cap that they, they had taken off, and there's a tube that's coming out of the brain just to relieve the pressure of the of the swelling and so what you need to know is my wife and I we 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 uh, we walk into the uh, PICU unit and we go right up to the right up to little Katniss's bed and she is wide awake man she just got wide eyes and she's just looking at us she was thinking who are these strange people but I can tell you this that when we begin to pray for this little girl and we began to pray for this family, there were two words that came so vividly to my mind. And these two words were peace and joy. And I knew at that moment that God has little Katniss in his arms and she's going to be okay. And everywhere that she goes, I know this, she's going to be a carrier of God's peace and God's joy. And I was so encouraged and elated by this because there's no way any one of these three should have lived through this accident. Go ahead and go to the next picture. This is the actual accident. Um, this, is the, 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 this is the car that they were in. So Sheridan was telling me 
Um, just some, some details. Sheridan was driving, and his wife Heaven was in the back seat behind him, and little baby Katniss was in the middle in the back seat. And, um, and, and Sheridan, he said, when I came to, when I, when I had come to my senses, I thought, man, I'm outside. And, and, and he thought, how did I get outside? Did I come out of my seat? Well, he was still buckled in his seatbelt, but the accident was so aggressive, like his body was outside in the element, still in the car, but, but outside. I don't know if you see this, this, this is a piece of metal that's kind of up on the up on the door jam, and it's pointing kind of towards the steering wheel. Um, but he said that 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 was just inches from where his where his head was, and so I believe that God stopped that. Um, Heaven was in the in the back seat, and she came through her seatbelt, and she was laying diagonal. Her feet were in the back. Um, driver's side um, seat in the back seat she was laying diagonal her head was in the front passenger's um, seat the only thing she had is she split her head open pretty good got a hundred stitches but um, but completely you know walked away and um, and and that's pretty remarkable they say that Katniss she was in the middle of the back seat and if she would have been on the right side or even on the left side, there's no way that she would have been able to survive the impact. And so I'm telling you this, that I have seen some miracles in my life. I've been privileged to be very close and upfront and personal um, to some miracles. But this is the, this is the latest where, where I've, I've been a part of, you know, close to the family, hearing the complete story, and there's no question in my mind that God preserved this family because he's got greater things in store for them. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap here today? So, so this is really cool. I'm privileged to be, to be up close and to see something and to be close and a part of something. How many of you know that whenever you see something, you automatically take responsibility for that thing? You'll know what I'm talking about here in a second. So I'm visiting with the family, and I, and I asked Sheridan, I asked Kevin, I said, I said, what do you need? How are you doing? What do you, what do you need? I, uh, Sheridan, I, we go in there. We drove to Boise, and Sheridan is un, under a bunch of covers. He had just returned home or to the, returned to the hospital um, from work, and he is soaked. I said, man, what happened to you? He said, oh, man, it rained on me. And we just went through a terrible rainstorm going to Boise to see them. He said, it rained on me when I was going from work. To, I said, well, why the heck are you riding your motorcycle? He said, well, that's, that's all we have. Our car is, 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 is destroyed. So here's a family, a young family um, with a little baby, and all that they've got is a motorcycle. And so immediately the Lord's speaking to me, you need to buy them a car. And I'm like, no, I, I didn't hear that. <laughs> so when you see something, now you're responsible for what, this is how the church works. And I'm telling you, as much as I'm trying to, no, no, that's a bad dream. Immediately I knew that that's what we're supposed to do. So we're supposed to, as a church, provide a car for this family. So that's what we're going to do. The cool thing about it is we're going to get them a car, right? Woo! What isn't so fun is you're going to pay for it. <laughs> Woo! Isn't that great? 
But I feel a strong responsibility that that's what we're supposed to do. You see, when we see a need and we can meet the need and the Lord is speaking to us about the need and we are able, just like the Samaritan was able to meet the need, come on, we're supposed to be obedient and meet the need. And so, so this is what we're going to do is, is, is at the end of the service, you're going to have the opportunity, if you've got five bucks, throw five bucks in the plate. If you can... If you can put $1,000 in the plate, throw $1,000 if you can do $10, it doesn't matter. If you can't do anything, when that thing goes behind, by you, just rub your hand over the top and pray a prayer. Lord, multiply it so that we can meet the need. I already know that we're getting them a car. Just what car, we don't know, right? And so, um, anyhow, how cool is that? This is what the church is supposed to do. We can't do everything, but when God speaks, our responsibility is to, is to respond. And, um, and then this is the other thing, too, is how many of you know that we can pray for this family? Come on, I'm, I'm going to be so excited to see what it is that God does through them. Number three, and this is the last one, we're closing with this. Remember what it is that Jesus did for you. Why do we serve? Because Jesus first served us. Why do we love? Because Jesus first loved us. Why are we generous? Because Jesus has been generous to us. There's a story, and I'm going to paraphrase this. It's found in Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Jesus is hanging out with some people in a home. And then all of a the sudden, there's a prostitute that comes into the home. She's a lady of the night. This is how she provides for herself and probably her family. She sells herself. And, and this woman, she throws herself at the feet of Jesus. And she is just weeping and she's crying to the point where she soaks Jesus' feet with her tears. And then she feels bad and she takes her hair and she's, you know, she's feeling like she's made a mess. She takes her hair, her long hair, and she begins to wipe off the tears that have soaked his feet. She, she begins to dry Jesus' feet with her hair. And then she takes uh, an expensive perfume. The Bible talks about this perfume being a year's wages. It would take a whole, a regular man, you know, working a whole year to buy one bottle of perfume. She cracks this bottle open and she begins to anoint the feet of Jesus with this expensive perfume. And, and all of the people... That are, that are in this house, they're watching and observing what this woman is doing. And they begin to ask Jesus, why are you letting her do this? Do you know? They're, they're whispering, he must not know who she is. He must not know what her occupation is. She's a, a woman of the night. She sells her body. Why is he allowing her to do these things? And Jesus responds to them all and he says, listen, this woman that you see here at my feet, she's been forgiven all of her sins, and there are many of them. And then he goes into this rhetoric. He says, those who have been forgiven much, love much. And then he says, those who have been forgiven just a little bit, well, they just love a little bit. And I'm closing my service today just by saying this, and I want you to think about it. Who here or who in the whole wide world would ever fit into the category 
of being just forgiven a little bit. Let me repeat that. He who has been forgiven much, loves much. He who has been forgiven a little bit, loves a little bit. Who in the world has ever just been forgiven just a little bit? There's nobody in the world that has been just forgiven a little bit. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that at your very best righteousness, it's as filthy rags. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. This woman, yes, she was a prostitute, but do you know this? That her sin was no worse than anybody else's sin that was in that room. They just didn't identify their sin as being bad. Let me, let me just be super clear to you. The punishment that you deserve, the punishment that I deserve is hell. But you had this innocent man. His name is Jesus. He was perfect in all that he did. He said, listen, I love these people so much that I'm going to take the punishment. And he went to the cross. He laid down his life so that if you simply just believe in him, you will have life and have it abundantly. Come on, He has forgiven you a great deal. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so when He says, you know, for us to go and do likewise, what we need to do is we just need to remember of who we are without Christ in our life and then, then be thankful and grateful of who we are with Jesus in our life, because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Every single morning that you get up, you should just have an attitude of gratitude of saying, man, God, thank you for serving me. I know I'm a mess sometimes, and I know I'm not perfect, and I never will be, but God, I can see your hand working in my life. I can see your spirit in my life, and I'm just grateful. God, you've given me hope. You've replaced, you've replaced my fear with strength. Come on, it's your story. You can fill in the blanks, but I'm just grateful that God is doing something and he's doing something in you, but I want you to know this, that you've been forgiven a great deal because he loves you. Amen? That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. Services are Sundays at 8.45 and 11 a.m., as well as our Wednesday evening service at 6.30 p.m. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.